We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Thursday, March the 3rd, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. And on today's show, I break down this weekend series as the best rivalry in all of college baseball returns once again as South Carolina and Clemson get set to do battle this weekend in a three-game set. Guys, I'll break down the series in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk about the Tigers, their pitching, their hitting. Also, of course, South Carolina, the rotation, what to watch for, key player of the weekend, and I will lock in my prediction as well. Also, guys, got a fantastic throwback conversation, throwback interview with former Gamecocks infielder Joey Pancake as he details his illustrious career in Garnet and Black. Guys, we've got a packed show for you in this Thursday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by the Spurs Up Show Store. Guys, TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Be sure to stay tuned to all of our latest drops, including t-shirts, hoodies, pullovers, long sleeves, koozies, stickers, you name it. We got it, guys. We've got brand new merchandise in the works as well. So again, be sure to check out all of that for all your merchandise needs. That's TSUS.store. TSUS.store, the best Gamecocks merchandise on the internet. Let's get it. The tradition, unforgettable moments with unforgettable players, legendary coaches, intensity that is unparalleled. Simply put, the best rivalry in all of college baseball. Folks, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always. Hope this show does find you out no matter where you are, what you are doing, and we have got a packed show for you here on this Thursday as we break down the best rivalry in all of college baseball as South Carolina and Clemson get set to do battle yet again beginning tomorrow in their annual rivalry series. Guys, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you all, your love, your support. Before we get going really quickly, I do want to remind you, tomorrow, our Carolina Alehouse tailgate or alegate, if you will, for the Rowdy Roosters. Very excited. We'll, we'll get going at 3 o'clock, go all the way to first pitch. Now, some new information, something I want to update you on. Our friends at Carolina Alehouse, as I told you before, they're going to provide food. They're going to provide swag. They're going to provide, guys, 200 hot dogs, right? What's better than being out at the tailgate, being out of the ballpark, and enjoying yourself a delicious hot dog with the chili, with the slaw, with the condiments, everything you need, heckle juice flowing, cold beverages abound, Guys, I don't want to eat them all myself, so be sure you come out again 3 o'clock until first pitch. We'll be in lot one. If you don't know where lot one is, it's the lot right outside of left field 
We will be out there 3 o'clock until first pitch. Also, yours truly going to do the Daily Crow live from Lot 1 as well. Look for the TSUS and Rowdy Roosters flags flying as well. Going to be one hell of a time. And again, guys, hope to see you all there. And appreciate our friends at Carolina Ale House for helping us throw this ale gate for the Rowdy Roosters, the best hecklers in all of college baseball. And it's going to be the first of many as we have one hell of a baseball season. Folks, on that note, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in this thing. South Carolina Clemson, need I say more when it comes to the Diamond, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Founders Park, Saturday at 4 o'clock at Segra Park here in Columbia, South Carolina, and of course, Sunday, the final game up at Doug Kingsmore Stadium in Clemson at 3 p.m. Of course, guys, Clemson of the ACC, their head coach is Monty Lee, a name that we're all very familiar with. Obviously, used to coach in Columbia under Ray Tanner. He is the head coach there at Clemson. Last year was a rough one for the Tigers as Clemson went 25 and 27 overall, 16 and 20 in conference play. So, of course, they're looking to have a bounce back here. And there's a lot of pressure in regards to Clemson baseball because, you know, I, I, all the trash that we talk and I talk and you know, rightfully so. Clemson is a very proud baseball program. They do love their baseball in the upstate. And of course, you know, I posted the stat a couple of days ago that Clemson has been in just one super regional since 2010. And that year, that was 2010. And they lost the Gamecocks twice in Omaha. So again, Clemson has not been able to get over that hump under Monty Lee. They have not made a super regional under Monty Lee. So again, this is basically a make or break year for his tenure there, in my opinion. They're off to a hot start, too. 8-0 and on the season. You take a look at their schedule, guys. Um, Clemson opening weekend did sweep Indiana. They then beat College of Charleston in the midweek. Swept Hartford last weekend and took care of business against USC Upstate this past Tuesday. So, again, Clemson has had success. They've been led. We'll start on the pitching side of things. They've been led by a strong pitching staff, a 2.519 ERA. And you look at the starting rotation of who I project they'll throw out there this week. Of course, it's no secret who they'll throw tomorrow, Friday night, right in the pitcher, Mac Anglin, one of the best pitchers in the ACC, 2-0 record with a zero ERA, guys. This man has pitched 10 innings this year and has not allowed a single run. Again, you dive deeper. He's got a .6 whip, 2-0, like I mentioned. He's got one shutout, 10 innings pitched, one hit, just one hit in 10 innings, only surrendered five walks, and he has 14 strikeouts. In those 10 innings, hitters are hitting just .034 against him. He has hit one batter, but, guys, he has been phenomenal this year. So, again, you think of that matchup between Anglin and Sanders, going to be one of the one of the really, really good ones of the weekend across college baseball. You then look at Saturday, right? A pitcher, Nick Clayton, 0-0 with a 9.53 ERA. And, guys, again, Saturday and Sunday is where it starts to get really sticky for Clemson this weekend. Again, though, Saturday, right? A pitcher, Nick Clayton, 0-0 with a 9.53. And then Sunday, they'll roll out right? A pitcher, Nick Hoffman, 1-0 with a 4.5 ERA. So, again, Clemson retooling that starting rotation, if you will, sort of like the Gamecocks right now, just trying to figure things out. But certainly, Mac Anglin is the anchor of that pitching staff, and he will lead them tomorrow night and into this weekend as well. Well, when you take a look at swinging a stick, Clemson right now is hot, hitting 329 as a team. You look at the players to watch for, guys. Infielder Cooper Ingle is where you start leading their team in average. 481 of the year with 11 RBI. You then look at a guy who I forgot he went to Clemson, and a name that you're probably going to be very familiar with, that is infielder Tyler Corbett. And if you're thinking to yourself, Chris, where have I heard that name before? He was the kid that played for Citadel last year that tore you up. He actually transferred there in the offseason. And right now, of course, he's hitting 391 with four RBI. And then, of course, a name we're all familiar with, infielder Caden Grice, the two-way, hitting 367, the big first baseman, three home runs and 11 RBI. He is tied for the team lead in home runs and certainly a guy that is one of the top prospects on Clemson's roster. So, again, a Clemson team that, you know, you look last year, and they were a team that, when you look at where it went wrong for them, and certainly, again, I mentioned Caden Grice hit 15 home runs as a freshman. But Clemson last year, guys, on paper, they ranked ninth in the ACC in scoring, 10th in ERA, and 11th in fielding percentage. Now, on paper, they look better, but again, there's a lot to prove for this Clemson team. Now, when we focus on South Carolina, let's start with the starting rotation, because obviously as of right now, I am recording this on Wednesday afternoon. South Carolina has not announced a starting rotation. All we know is that Will Sanders will get the baseball tomorrow night. Outside of that, guys, we have no idea. 
And that is a very interesting place to be at. That's a very interesting spot to be in as we go into this weekend series. Will it be Kate Austin on Saturday? Does Wesley Sweat get a look? Does John Gilreath? Does Michael Esposito? Does Noah Hall? We just don't know right now. Those are answers we don't have. And again, I'll be very intrigued to see what Mark Kingston has to say in his media availability before South Carolina takes on Clemson in today's presser, if you will, when he speaks to the media, when he updates the starting rotation. Now, that takes me into what to watch for. And before I dive into everything on the field and the specific matchups and, and what South Carolina is going to face, you got to start with this. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the best rivalry in all of college baseball, period, point blank, in a discussion, guys, when you factor in the history, the tradition, the fact that these two teams have met in Omaha many a time, the moments, the players, again, the coaches, just the overall, though, the feel of this series and what's on the line. Guys, this is a super regional early in the season. It, it has that type of vibe. It has that type of feel. And I expect that yet again this weekend. And again, people want to look at the first two weeks and the records. And of course, South Carolina 7-1, and Clemson's 8-0, what have you. Both have had pretty, I think, similar starts the year in regards to taking care of business against, you know, I don't want to say lesser opponents, but smaller competition, smaller schools, if you will. Okay. Guys, wh while that's, you know, the, looking at the, the, the numbers and, and the schedule and who you beat, that, that's all fine and dandy. And, it, and it's good for guys, you know, you can kind of look and get an idea of, oh, you know, this is one of their guys. This is one of their dudes. This guy's had a hot start. But it really means nothing coming into this weekend. It, it really means nothing because the intensity is ratcheted up to such a level, to such a point that you sort of have to sit back and say, well, we're going to find out who the guys are. We're, we're, we're going to find out who the real dudes are this weekend. We're going to find out who, when the pressure gets turned up, who shows up and shows out, who shines under the lights, Right. And again, that's the beauty of this rivalry. And guys, I'll tell you this again. I've been talking my shit all week about Clemson, and I will continue to do so because it's just so much damn fun. But I will say this, as someone who's not only a Gamecock fan, but is also a fan of the game of baseball and certainly college baseball, series like these, like this is why you look forward to college baseball. The, the, the series like these, the intensity and everything, you know, fans hanging with every single pitch, a series like this is what makes college baseball so great. It, it, it's what makes college baseball what it is. And I, for one, cannot wait to take it all in this weekend. Again, the best rivalry, in my opinion. Uh, both fan bases care immensely. The intensity, both teams obviously take it very personally. There's a lot of, a lot of familiarity between the two schools, the two teams, I should say. Guys who played against each other in high school and maybe played together even. So, the return of the best rivalry in college baseball, seeing these two teams go at it yet again. Uh, and also, by the way, I should mention this. I keep forgetting this, but I should mention this. Of course, we all know Sal kind of took two of three last year, the, the, the two walk-offs both in Greenville and Columbia, and those were awesome, right? And then, of course, you lose game three up at their place. But even for that game, you didn't have packed stadiums. You didn't have a packed Founders Park. You didn't have a packed neutral site. Even Clemson wasn't packed. The return of the rivalry with a packed stadium as well as it should be. Gamecocks and Tigers and going back and forth and the beauty of heckling and getting under each other's skin. It's just going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. And I, I truly do, guys. I truly do say that in regards to just like for the sport of college baseball. This series, like it will be on display why college baseball is so incredible. You know, with everything going on right now with MLB and the lockout, and they can't figure this out and that out. Take a look. If you're somehow stumbled across this podcast and you're just a fan of college baseball, I highly suggest you tune in this weekend because it's going to be some of the best baseball you'll see. And maybe these two teams are not Omaha bound necessarily, but in regards to just the passion, the energy, the electricity, there are going to be few places more electric then Columbia, South Carolina, and Clemson, South Carolina this weekend for this rivalry series. Now, when we're talking on the field in regards to the Gamecocks, what to watch for, um, obviously it's got to start with the status of Julian Bosnick and James Hicks. Can one of those guys go? Can they both go? 
What are we looking at in regards to Boz and Hicks? Because we thought Julian Bosnick would be ready by the Clemson weekend. And of course, what happens with James Hicks last weekend, I thought he had a blister. I didn't see anything that really stood out of, oh my God, his arm, whatever. But, um, you know, nothing has really been updated. And it's sounding like neither guy will go. If I had to guess right now, guys, gun to head, that neither guy will go. But what is the status? How long will they be out? Because, again, this series is extremely important. And that's something I want to go back to as well, talking about the best rivalry. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but, you know, when people say, well, Chris, who needs this more? You know, I, I didn't list this as one of my top storylines, right, of, oh, well, which coach needs it more and which team needs it more and which team, need, you know, guys, that doesn't apply here. This is a big freaking series no matter what. No matter what. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. There is no, well, it's okay if we lose. No, no, no. It's a big deal. Now, is your season over if you lose two or three this weekend for either side? No, it's not over. Look at the 2010 Gamecocks who lost two or three in the regular season and then went on to win a national title and beat Clemson twice in Omaha, right? So it's not an indictment or a guarantee one way or the other, but... This weekend is a very big deal. I just felt like I should say that. Again, back to the pitching staff, though. Bosnick, Hicks, what's the status? Because, again, you don't want to rush a guy back just for this weekend. You know, if Bosnick's a guy that, hey, we hold him out, he could be ready for the start of SEC play, then you do that. But at the same time, if they can go, if one of them can go, if both can go, you roll them out there. You roll them out there. But, again, We'll see how it plays out. We'll see what Mark Kingston says right now. Gun to head, I don't think they'll go. Now, with that being said, who fills in the weekend rotation? That's something else certainly to watch for. Who gets the nod? Is it going to be Johnny Holstaff? Do they turn to a Noah Hall or a Kate Austin or, or, a, or a John Gilworth and say, hey, you guys go six or seven. You guys give us all you got. How, how are Justin Parker and Mark Kingston going to piece this pitching staff together? That is the question. How are they going to piece this pitching staff together? You know, does Aiden Hunter get a look? Does Parker Coyne get a look? Who are the guys you turn to, right? Because I obviously you're not in an ideal spot right now. You're not. You're not. Going into a series like this, you're not. You're not in an ideal spot, okay? But who steps up? Who's going to be the guys they look at and say, we're going to hand you the baseball. We believe you can do it for us. And, you know, again, simply put, are you able to get enough out of that pitching staff on Saturday and Sunday? Because obviously you're going to have to ask a lot of Will Sanders. I mean, Will Sanders is going to have to throw a gym for you on Friday night. He's going to have to throw a gym and win you a ball game. Okay. And, and I hate to be the guy that, that repeats himself. And because I know I've said a lot, well, winning game one's pivotal, winning games one's pivotal. And that's an obvious statement, right? Nobody wants to play from behind the eight ball. But I'll tell you guys with the situation you're in, with the situation you're currently in, Winning game one is, is of utmost importance. It is. It is. On your home field, with your horse on the mound, and you know the issues that you have. You know the issues that you have. On Saturday and Sunday, you, you got to take game one. Will Sanders has got to be at his best. He's got to spin a gym. And again, that's not to put... You know, I don't even think I could put extra pressure on Will Sanders that he's not already feeling or putting on himself. That, you know, obviously nobody wants to throw well, but, you know, more than him, right? Nobody wants to win Friday night more than him. So, in regards to the weekend rotation, the rest of the way out, how do they piece it together? That's my big question going in this weekend. Um, something else to watch for, guys. And I wrote down here situational hitting, timely hitting, but really just hitting as a whole and the hitters. Um, again, it, it, winning 12 to 10 is the same as winning two to one, guys. A win's a win's a win. And in baseball, sometimes you do win with hitting and sometimes you win with pitching, right? This just might be a weekend where, and it might be just a time for kind of baseball right now where uh, until you get Bosnick and Hicks or get people back healthy, you might have to swing the shit out of it, folks. You might have to swing the shit out of it. You truly might. As I said earlier in the week, there are no excuses. Let Clemson make the excuses, guys. It's win anyway here. That's what Carolina baseball is built off of. We win anyway. We don't make excuses. We have players rise to the occasion, and we win anyway. And so, hey, guess what? 
You got a Johnny Hole staffing on Saturday and Sunday? To hell with it. Go hit. Go win anyway. That's it. That's it. Go win anyway. But of course, anytime you're in a series like this, situational hitting, timely hitting, you know, you've had a bad tendency of leaving the bases loaded this season. Can you snap out of that and be even more clutch than you've been to this point? Also, guys, what I'm looking for is the little things. Again, in a series like this, defense, just flat-out execution, getting a bunt down, hit and runs, you know, strategy, being smart ahead 0-2 when you're on the mound. Those things will make all the difference. And those are the moments that really define and separate, you know, who wins and who loses. And I think this is going to be a series where there's going to be a set of five or six moments that probably determine who wins this ballgame, right? And who wins this series, I should say. So the little things, they are the big things. The little things are the big things. Can South kind of do the little things better and set themselves up for success? And finally, guys, something else, just, just keeping in mind, um, th- this, this goes beyond this weekend, but just knowing that the gauntlet's beginning. This is the beginning of the gauntlet. You've got Clemson this weekend. You've got Texas the next. You've got Tennessee the following on the road, and then you've got Vandy at Founders Park. You'd like to get it off to a fast start and get this W this weekend. <laughs> you would, because it ain't going to get easier. It's only going to get tougher. It's only going to get tougher. So, again, the gauntlet beginning at Founders Park, the gauntlet beginning in Columbia, South Carolina. And, again, this is, this is why, though, guys, this is why you play for South Carolina. This is why you come to a school like South Carolina. You want to play against the best, the best of the best of the best. And I can't wait to watch it and take it all in because, you know what, the men will be separated from the boys. You know, fans have been talking about, well, I just, I just feel like Clemson's dominating their opponents and, and we're kind of struggling and we're having to come back and, and this, that, even though Clemson beat USC Upstate by three runs on, on, on Tuesday night, whatever. Either way, though, either way, though. Oh, you know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I just, Clemson's dominating their opponent. Bro, you know what? All that goes out the window. All that's done. We're going to start to separate right now the men from the boys, and we're going to learn very quickly who this team is, what this team is, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses, where's the deficiencies. We're going to find out because you're not going to be able to hide from this part of your schedule. You're not. You're just not. Hell, and maybe you could skate past Clemson with some of your problems, but I tell you what, if you don't have your shit together for Texas, you don't have your shit together for Tennessee and Vandy, there will be no hiding. There will be no hiding. Guys, this has been my key player of the weekend. And as I told you before, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I, I really don't because I've talked about game one so much. And after last year where you went two and eight on, on, on ga- in game ones on Friday nights in the SEC, I guess maybe it's sort of disproved that, you know, game one doesn't tell the entire story, right? You can lose game one, win the next two, win a series. But I just think looking at this series individually, when you are in – the position that South Carolina is in, you got to win game one on your home field. You're going to have the Rowdy Roosters behind you. We're going to be all good and lubricated up with heckle juice. Rowdy Roosters behind you. Night game at Founders Park. You got to take it. You got to take it because you know what? Saturday and Sunday might be a bit of an adventure on the mound. They might be. So you got to get a dub from your horse, man. Will Sanders has got to be the dominant Will Sanders. He's got to be, you know, locating that fastball 94-95 with a velo, spinning the shit out of it, using that plus changeup, being the dude that we saw last year. Again, Will has pitched fine at this point. Will has pitched well. He's pitched well. But he needs to be that dominant guy. He does. He needs to have one of those games, one of those moments, one of those rivalry moments that we look back on the end of the season, we look back on a year or two or three or 10 from now and say, damn, remember that game Will Sanders threw against Clemson? So I think Sanders is the key player of the weekend. Obviously, the guy that I wanted to mention that certainly we have to is Andrew Eister um, after what he did last year, and he's been your most clutch guy and off to a great start. Of course, man, you you hit two walk-off knocks in back-to-back nights to win a series. Uh, yeah, I, I can guarantee you that's a dude Clemson's going to have their eye on all weekend. Um, and, man, you just, you just think to yourself, is there any way he could come up in a situation like that again? You know what I mean? Could Andrew Eister, like, really this weekend solidify himself as, like, the ultimate Tiger killer? You know what I mean? Because 
you know, Sander, or excuse me, uh, Eister could, doesn't matter what he does the rest of his career. He'll always be a legend for what he did last year. But can you even imagine? Can you even imagine if Eister's able to do something crazy and pull out some heroics yet again and, and help lead South kind of to victory? So, again, I, I think the key player is Will Sanders. I think you've got to get a good outing, a, 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 not even a good outing, a great outing. You need a great outing. He's, he's got to go toe-to-toe with Mac Anglin and beat him. Bottom line, you've got to get that win tomorrow night at Founders Park. Again, Will Sanders, a guy, hey, I feel good handing the baseball to him, but he's got to throw a gym for you, bottom line. Which leads me, guys, into my prediction. And this one's tough because I, I went back and forth on it, and you guys know I've been talking shit all week. And um, and listen, I feel good about the series. I, I really do. I, I, I don't understand right now, guys, the amount of South Carolina fans I'm seeing that are giving Clemson – so much credit. And again, I'm not saying don't, don't respect your opponent. That's not what I'm saying. But our South Carolina fans are acting like Clemson has swept Texas and they, they, they beat this. Clemson's done basically exactly what we've done, except they haven't lost a game. You know, I, I don't know if it's because we haven't scored like 20 runs in a game or, or whatever. But I don't know, South Carolina fans are just giving Clemson way more credit than I'm comfortable with. I mean, you look at Clemson's starting rotation, guys. It's not great. Their Saturday guy's got a 9-5-3 ERA, right? I mean, Clemson's got their own problems, guys. It's basically the same roster from last year that went 16-20 and 20 in the league. It's basically the same roster as last year that, as I mentioned earlier, was ninth in the ACC in scoring, 10th in ERA, and 11th in fielding percentage. The offense, the, the lineup, that has a huge question mark. People want to talk about us not swinging it under Mark Kingston. Guys, Clemson's lineup is, is you know, it's a mess. It's a mess to a degree. That's not to say Clemson doesn't have some talented players, but they struggled last year. And I know they're off to an eight-no start, but I mean, what did you expect? Did you expect them to lose to Hartford? Did you expect them to lose to Indiana? No. And again, as I told you guys, you know, I, I feel like one of the most overused phrases in sports when it comes to rivalry games and rivalry series, whatever, is, oh, throw the record books out the window. Because like in football, it's like, I hear you, but the better team is normally going to win, right? Like Clemson in football has been the better team. They've won the game, hadn't been close, right? That whole throw the record books out the window, that's just almost people trying to win. When you can't come up with an actual reason why your team's going to win, you just say, oh, well, it's a rivalry game, man. Just throw the record books out the window. It's like uh, it's still football, and it's still a game where you have to execute, and the team with the bigger, faster, stronger players is normally going to win. But baseball is different. Baseball is different, right? It's not about how big you are and how, how, how strong you are and this, that, whatever, right? We know that. Baseball is different. The parity, the unpredictability, that's what makes it great. And again, I've gone back and forth on this because this is such an interesting weekend because both of these teams have talent but have so many questions still, right? Both of these teams have potential but have so many questions. They truly do, right? Both teams have pieces. And both teams have coaches that really need this weekend. Because, again, it's not an indictment on your entire year. You know, if South Carolina loses two or three this weekend, for example, but then they go take two or three from Texas or something, you know, I mean, you can still have a good year. And the same goes for Clemson, you know. The same goes for them. They lose two or three to us. They could, you know, they go their first ACC weekend, and I don't know who they play. I think I've got, yeah, they got their schedule pulled up. You know, they play Miami, and they sweep Miami. All of a, It's like, okay, we might still have a good year. So it's not an indictment one way or another, but you're not going to make a lot of friends losing this series. And, and both these coaches, again, I think hot seat is the wrong way to put it. I think competitive pressure is what both feel. Now, Monty Lee, I think, may even be more on the hot seat than Mark Kingston because – they have not been very good, guys. And when I mean, can you imagine if South Carolina baseball didn't make a super regional for a decade? Can you even fathom that? I, over a decade, I could, I can't even fathom it. 
Cannot even fathom it, right? So both teams need it. And again, I don't have to say that. It's the best rivalry in college baseball. It's a game. It's a series that you want to win desperately, desperately. All eyes are on this three-game set. Nothing else matters this weekend. And again, I've gone back and forth. I really think it's a coin flip. And this is going to, it's going to pain me. It's, it's going to pain me. It's going to hurt me. As I was making the, putting together my notes, I should say, for this show, I said, God, just grinding my teeth. But at the end of the day, guys, I got to be real. And I got to keep it a buck. And I got to be 100. And I got to be honest. Okay. And again, I think it's a coin flip. I think tomorrow night at Founders Park is going to be a classic. I think both guys will throw really well. I think that battle between Anglin and Sanders is going to be fantastic. One of the best we've seen in a while. It's going to be just a, a, a good old-fashioned pair of aces going up against one another, as you would expect on a Friday night in the Carolina-Clemson rivalry series. But I cannot, in good conscience, pick South Carolina to take two of three from Clemson when I don't even know who is starting Saturday or Sunday. How can I? Now, I want to make this point as well. This prediction is subject to change because, as you all know, one of the interesting curveballs of me dropping the series preview show on Thursdays is that, you know, the full series previews from both sides come out on Thursday. So I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So a starting rotation, excuse me, has not been announced. This prediction is subject to change if either Bosnick or Hicks or both can go. If, if they can go, if even one of two can go, I'm picking South Carolina to win two of three. But as of right now, as I sit here and guys, I don't think they're going to go. From what I've heard, Julian Bosnick hasn't even started throwing. And James Hicks, man, I, I didn't think it was that serious at first. To be honest, I, I didn't think it was that serious. But when you're having to ask doctors for a second and third opinion, it's not normally because the news is good, okay? And the rumor has been Tommy John. You hope that's not the case. But normally, normally, that's not a good sign. So with that being said, my prediction subject to change. I think the Gamecocks do win Friday night. I think they actually win tomorrow. I think at home, at Founders, the Rowdy Roosters will be out. I think Sanders throws a gym. I think you get the dub. I just question, and I know, hey, win anyway, guys. I'm making no excuses. I, I want to make that very clear because I'm sure there's Clemson folk that are tuned in. And as I said earlier in the week, if Clemson takes two of three, if they sweep, I will not make a single excuse. Because you know what? I don't give a damn about an injury. I don't care if you got it. I don't care who's not in. I don't care who's out. South kind of baseball, the mantra, the motto is win anyway. So go win anyway. I don't care. I don't care. But when making a prediction, I have to factor in who's available and who's not. And because of the fact that you don't even know who's throwing Saturday and Sunday as of now, I got to pick Clemson to win two out of three. And I, again, it pains me. I didn't think I'd be in this position. I'm not sure I've ever picked Clemson to win two out of three in this series. But this year with the question marks, we don't even know who's going. And again, it's subject to change. It's subject to change. If, if Hicks or Boz can somehow miraculously go, it's subject to change. But because of the question marks, just the, the amount of uncertainty. Guys, and I don't think Clemson's a great baseball team. But I think these two teams are, as of right now, kind of similar in the uncertainties. I think it's going to make for an incredible week in the baseball. I think it's going to make for a very exciting week in the baseball. But I just think right now I have to give the, the nod to Clemson because of they have more knowns than we do at least on the bump, right? So, hey, I, I think it's a toss-up, man. It's a coin flip. If you can swing the shit out of it, you know, I, I feel like that certainly you can take two out of three. There's no doubt in my mind. But I think right now, I, again, and there's no excuses, like I said. You roll with the guys you got, you go win anyway. Bottom line, point blank, in the story, there are no excuses. Absolutely none. There are no excuses. But with that being said, I've got Clemson taking two out of three in this one. I, I just think, again, your, your, your arms or lack thereof, unfortunately, I think it might show 
this weekend. And the question is, can your sticks do enough? Can your sticks do enough? And I just don't know if they're going to win you two games. They're going to win you one. I think they're certainly going to win you one. I think Will Sanders will win you one. Can they win you two? Can they win you two? I don't know. So, again, right now I'm going Clemson. Lock me in. Tigers take two of three to take the rivalry series. But, again, guys, it's a coin flip. It can go either way. And, Rowdy Roosters, let's give the sons of bitches from the upstate hell all weekend. I'm talking heckling. I'm talking everything. Have the heckle juice flowing all day long. I want the heckle juice flowing from the start of Friday all the way into the final pitch, the final out is made on Sunday. Let's do the damn thing. Going to be a hell of a weekend. I would love to hear your thoughts, your predictions, your comments, what you're looking for as we get set for the best rivalry in all of college baseball. Folks, again, appreciate you all tuning in. That's going to do it all for me. Uh, again, I want to hear from you. Thank you so much for your love and support, guys. Uh, all those who came out of Tin Roof, all those who interacted up in Charlotte, and just continue to show love and support to the businessman. Uh, it's incredible. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get set for one hell of a weekend. South Carolina and Clemson. I cannot wait. I cannot freaking wait. You all have a fantastic rest of your Thursday. Don't go anywhere, though. we got a fantastic combo upcoming, but enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy this conversation with former game Cox infielder Joey Pancake. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2012 to 2014. He was a career 292 hitter for the Gamecocks, hit 18 home runs, 100 RBIs, and was silky smooth in the field for South Carolina at shortstop. He was also drafted in the 2014 MLB draft in the seventh round by the Detroit Tigers, where he spent a long career in the minor leagues. I'm very, very excited to welcome the show, former Gamecocks shortstop Joey Pancake. Joey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about all things Gamecocks and Gamecock baseball especially. Absolutely. So, Joey, let's start with this. You're you're a kid from Easley, South Carolina. You played your high school baseball at Easley High School, and you were a guy obviously coming up in high school. Um, you got to South Carolina in 2000, fall of 2011, but you were a guy that while you were in high school, South Carolina was in the beginning of their run winning back-to-back national titles. I'll just ask you, you know, throughout your recruitment process – with being a South Carolina kid, the success that South Carolina had, I mean, was it ever a doubt for you that you were going to be a Gamecock? Um, well, I don't know if you recall, but I was initially committed to the College of Charleston, and then um, I had a little bit of a change of heart when I, I guess it was right about the time South Carolina was in there uh, making their first national championship run. And uh, they kind of got my attention and um, my – I just had a change of plan, so I ended up at South Carolina, and it was dream come true, really. Did you grow up a South Carolina fan, or was that just something just uh, just kind of came about when South Carolina started having that success? Just like you said, started paying more attention and decided to come to come to Columbia. Yeah, I've always been a South Carolina fan. It um, it was tough being there and easily being so close to Clemson, and I have a lot of uh, family that are Clemson fans, but. I've I've always been a Gamecock, and I'm pro, I always will be. No doubt. So you get on campus, like I said, fall of 2011. 2012 is your first season. Uh, I know, again, you were a guy that you were actually taken in the 2011 MLB draft in the 42nd round by the Texas Rangers, a guy that was a very highly rated recruit, rated the number one shortstop in the state of South Carolina, the number three best high school prospect in the state of South Carolina. Um, just talk about what the transition was like for you, you know, going from high school baseball, going from high school life to college life, college baseball, SEC baseball, especially what, what was that transition like for you? Would you say? Oh man, it was, uh, I, I, I had the opportunity to play with a lot of great players that fall coming in. So that really helped before opening day came about. And, uh, a couple of them kind of took me under their wing, Michael Roth being one of them. He was there to help me with the off the field stuff, talk about class and just everyday life. And uh, I had, I guess I had a pretty good mentor. He was a pretty good Gamecock, I'd say. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. And, uh, but the game, the game itself, is just so much faster in college. I remember the first ground ball that was hit to me on opening day. And I kind of took my time and had to rush the throw a little bit. And the guy almost beat it out. And I was like, oh boy, I better, pick it up a little bit. It didn't really hit me until then. Um, 
but it was a pretty it was a pretty good transition. I also had some really good coaches to help me along the way. For sure. So talk about for you, Joey, you know, I, I think pressure may be the wrong word, but maybe I guess the pressure you may have felt, you know, you're coming into a program who, you know, needs a starting shortstop. Obviously, I mean, that, that was very evident in how much you played. I mean, you played in all, you know, you played in 66 games, started 62 of them. So you played in a ton of games for South Carolina, started as a true freshman, but you're coming into a program, needs a starting shortstop. This program has won back-to-back national championships, and you know the expectations, you know, are simply to get back to Omaha and do it all again. I mean, did you, did you feel the pressure of that, or was that almost kind of a, you know, was something you embraced when you got to Columbia? Um, it's something you just have to embrace. Uh, the pressure is going to be there. I mean, obviously the team really wants to go back to Omaha. That's our goal every year is to make the postseason and put a good run together and get to Omaha. But, uh, coach Tanner did a really good job of kind of taking that pressure away, just taking it one series at a time and not looking too far ahead. And he never really, he never really put that on us. Like, Hey, we have to get here or, or our season's no good. He just wanted us to go out and play the best that we could and um, get, and that kind of helped. And we got the results that we wanted that year. For sure. So you mentioned coach Tanner, like I've had a bunch of different guys that have played for coach Tanner in different eras. I think it's always interesting to hear kind of their, their interactions, relationships with him. If you will talk about what coach Tanner meant to you and uh, I guess your relationship with him then and now. Oh, Coach Tanner, Coach Tanner was awesome from the day I got on campus. He uh, he always shot you straight. There was never he didn't he didn't hold anything back. He always knew where you stood, and he looked you eye to eye, and he would tell you exactly what he was thinking. So I respected that a lot. He he was a big part of helping my transition into college, and uh, he was also a big part of getting me back into college when I called him and told him that I wanted to come back and finish up school once I was finished with baseball he uh he got me in touch with the right people and it happened right away for sure so as a hitter you know you came in uh Joey obviously rated the number one shortstop in high school but I, I watched a little bit of your you know some of the highlights of you in high school you pitched as well I mean was it always the plan for you to be be a shortstop be an infielder did you come in as kind of a, a two-way guy what what was the plan for you what what did they lay out the plan for you when you got there um, we talked a little bit about the pitching side of it, but I always knew that I wanted to hit and they wanted me to hit. They wanted me to play shortstop and it just kind of worked out that way. We had, we had some really good arms while I was here and it wasn't, I wasn't really needed to throw any. So I got to focus all on shortstop and that helped, that helped me out a lot in the field. I don't, some of these guys that do play two positions, they got, they got a really tough workload and I'm, kind of surprised that they're able to do it at that level more power to those guys but I'm glad I got to focus on shortstop no doubt so Joey we have to get to the point in the interview I I would be very very I can't miss out on the opportunity to ask you about national pancake day um something (laughs) that I'm sure you know you guys in a two-to-one win over Presbyterian you hit a home run uh which it happened to be on national pancake day I guess the first question is I'm sure when you hit that home run and it just it happened to fall on that day. I mean, let's it's a fact. Your name is Pancake. We can't your last name is Pancake. We can't ignore <laughs> that fact. But I mean, how much did you think about it in that moment? And then I mean, how crazy was it to see it grow to what it is now? Because I feel like it's like the running joke where, you know, each player has something that every time they're mentioned, there's the footnote that comes with it. And with you it is now at the bat for the Gamecocks, Joey Pancake. Oh, by the way, did you know he hit a home run on National <laughs> Pancake Day? Like, how how funny was that to see that kind of evolve like that? Honestly, honestly, I didn't even think about it in the moment. It wasn't until I think it was probably the next day. It could have been that night. Um, you started seeing things on Twitter and all of this, and then I guess it was our next televised game. A bunch of my friends were like, if they talk about this one more time, I'm going to go crazy. And <laughs> It was just one of those things, but I really didn't think about it in the moment. But now it's still a thing to this day. Every year, whenever the day is, what is it, in March sometime or something like that, uh, my Twitter my Twitter just kind of goes crazy. Everybody still has a good time with it, so I get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, February 28th is the day. I, I know they did an interview with you. Uh, I believe it was after some time. Or I, I know you had said you go to IHOP and get pancakes on National Pancake Day. Is that, is that still something you partake in or no? 
No, I got tired of waiting in lines. I'd rather go another <laughs> day when I don't have to wait so long. <laughs> no doubt. So I want to talk about that 2012 season, you know, very good one for you, Joey. Like I said, started basically every game for South Carolina. You made SEC all-freshman team. You were also NCAA regional all-tournament team. But I want to talk about on the road to get there, one of my favorite pictures from the 2012 season, and especially of you as well, is the uh, the picture of you after LB Danzler hits the walk-off hit against Clemson um, in the regionals, you holding up your arm, touching home plate. I think that's when we put up during Clemson Carolina week for the baseball series. Just talk about the, the the rivalry. I mean, it's the best rivalry in college baseball, no doubt. Talk about your experiences in the rivalry, being able to beat those guys on the way to the College World Series as well. Yeah, that was – I mean, that's always that's always a fun series. And then to be able to match up with them in the postseason. And we beat them twice that year, I believe. And – uh that was, I mean, that was awesome to be able to beat them twice in the postseason and have that success against them. And I was just blessed to be there in that situation. And LB got the big hit. And, I mean, I don't remember a more electric environment than Carolina Stadium that day. Well, I guess Founders Park now. But um, it was unbelievable. That was awesome. Would you say that was your best memory from the, uh, the Carolina-Clemson rivalry? Because, obviously, as we know, it is – High emotion, high intensity. I mean, there's a lot of jawing back and forth. But would you say that tops the tops the list as far as memories from the Carolina Clemson rivalry? Yeah, I would have to say so. Um, I believe that was the same game that I had a long at bat and ended up hitting the tie and running. I believe it was the bottom of the ninth with two outs to keep that game going. And I came up again later that game and LB got the hit. So – all of that into one, it was uh, it was a pretty that was a pretty good experience all around, especially my first year as a Gamecock. For sure. So, like I mentioned, you're freshman year, you hit 264, two homers, 27 RBIs, and I already mentioned the accolades. What do you think led to you having such such a smooth transition? You know, coming in and playing at that level, and again, you were part of a team that went all the way to the College World Series final. What would you attribute to you know such a quick and smooth transition for you? Um, like I said earlier, the group of guys that I got to play with that year, it was crazy. Uh, we all came together really well. All the veterans that were there, like Christian Walker and Evan Marzilli, Michael Roth, Matt Price, all those guys. Um, they took us younger guys in like we were one of them, and we ended up being one of them really soon. They, it was an incredible transition, and also the coaching staff. Um, uh, I got to work with Drew Meyer a lot one-on-one -on -one that year. I mean, he was unbelievable baseball player, great knowledge about the game. So working with him was awesome, and that's what helped me probably, probably the most, being able to work with him, pick his brain a little bit, and get all the extra work in that he would come out there and help me with. For sure. So, like I mentioned, you you were part of that team, went to the College World Series Finals in 2012. Just, you know, as a guy that's been there, you know, not every single college baseball player – gets to go to Omaha. Really not many do just, you know, I know you guys didn't get the ultimate prize that you wanted, but I mean, just, just kind of talk about your experience in Omaha and what was, what that was like for you. I mean, it was something that the guys that had been there, because obviously they went there two years before for both years. And uh, they talked about it on the times leading up, like, Hey, we got to get back here. You, you won't believe the environment and all that. And they talked it up to be unbelievable and great and just fantastic. And then you get there and it exceeds everything that they say. It was, I, the environment was absolutely incredible. It was uh, just great baseball fans all around. There was no booing. It was, they just cheered for the game of baseball mainly. For sure. So moving into 2013, Joey, you know, again, South Carolina at this point has won two national titles, been to three straight national title appearances, which I think 2012 honestly is slept on by a lot of people because, you know, the back-to-back -back national championships gets mentioned, but I, you know, making it all the way there, even if you don't win, I mean, you guys re ran into a red-hot Arizona team that obviously had a ton of, ton of talent. That one doesn't get talked about as much. Do you think people sleep on the 2012 team at all? Because, again, I just feel like it doesn't because it's it's overshadowed by the back-to-back -back national titles. But again, to make it there three years in a row is something special. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't know if you remember, but we started out one and five in the SEC that year. We got we went on the road and got 
swept by Kentucky and then lost two out of three at home to Florida. And then I, I want to, we won a crazy amount of like uh, a crazy amount of SEC games in a row after that. We had several sweeps and I don't know if we lost another SEC series until um, LSU came. I think LSU came to us that year for the SEC title. And we lost two out of three to them at home. I think that might have been the last one we lost. Yeah, you guys finished the season 18 and 11 in the SEC, which was good enough to uh, be the Eastern Division champions. So, again, 2012 was a was a very, very good year for you guys. I'll, I'll move to 2013. I mean, again, it's a program that's won two national titles, been to three straight. I, I mean, I, I don't even think I have to ask, Joey. The, the expectations were pretty simple. Get back to Omaha and win it all, right? Yeah, yeah, and then after being there, that made the guys that had already been there want to be there that much more. So, um, when I mean playing that long into the season, you you feel like it was my sophomore season, but I felt like an older player than that, just having that experience under my belt at that point. No doubt. So, Joey, you're actually the first guy that I've had on the show that's played for South Carolina baseball that went through the transition from Ray Tanner to Chad Holbrook. Obviously, after the 2012 season, Ray Tanner decides to step down from Gamecocks baseball, becomes the athletic director, and Chad Holbrook takes over as head coach. Were you surprised at all? I mean, did that catch you by surprise that Ray Tanner decided to hang up the hang up the cleats, if you will, as far as coaching was concerned? Um, A little bit, just mainly because I knew – I know how much he loves the game of baseball and – um, even, even the games that I go back now, I've, I went to a few this year and I saw him at every single one of them. So I don't think that's any coincidence. He still loves the game of baseball. He just had a different career opportunity and, um, he decided to pursue that. But, um, I thought, I thought we were in good hands either way. Yeah. Talk about Chad Holbrook, obviously taking over again. I mean, 2013 was a good year for you guys again, especially for you personally, you guys go 43 and 20, 17 and 12. I mean, you know, you, you didn't miss a beat at all. Hit three eleven, eleven homers, 42 RBIs. I'm not sure if you'd agree, but statistically your best year as a Gamecock. I mean, but talk about your head coach, Chad Holbrook. I mean, I've talked to some others before who, you know, obviously everyone speaks very highly of Chad Holbrook. There's a reason he got the job. It was on the staff at North Carolina when they went to the national title. Obviously on the staff at South Carolina when they went back-to-back national titles. I mean, you guys had to feel really good about not only the relationships he had built with all the players, but had to feel good about him taking over just in general. Yeah, yeah. He's been a part of um, several, like, very successful teams. So, I thought I thought he was he was the guy that was – uh, right for the job, and it was good timing for him. Uh, he had all of his guys there that he had brought in, and he got to lead us into battle, and we had a good season. We just came up a game short of making it a trip back to Omaha. We had a couple of balls not fall our way and had a couple of errors that hurt us in that last game, but uh, I'd say it was a pretty good first season for him, making it to the last game of a Super Regional. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I want to get to that series in just a second, Joey, but let's talk about you personally because, like I mentioned, you absolutely tore it up. I mean, 311, 11 homers, 42 ribbies, um, absolutely crushed it. Talk about kind of what the changes were from your freshman to sophomore year to make such a jump, I guess, and just really what clicked for you in 2013. Yeah, um, I don't know. I have to give a lot of credit to my hitting coach, uh, Brian Busher, who I'm coaching with him now. He uh, his hitting philosophies and all that, all that to go with it are really good. And he knows how to translate it to the players. And uh, it just clicked with me. I had a, I had a good season at the plate that year. And I don't think I could have done it alone. So him and the other coaches as well, they did a really good job of helping me out that year. For sure. So kind of off the wall question here, Joey, I think it's kind of funny, even South Carolina's best teams in school history <clears throat> for whatever reason, South Carolina struggled in Hoover. For whatever reason, the SEC tournament. You while you were there, you guys went one and seven um, in Hoover. The only time y'all won a game was 2012. You beat Auburn in the second game uh, when right when Michael Roth pitched. No shock. And uh, but just I mean, do you have any explanation to why Hoover has been such a house of horrors for Carolina? I mean, is it something specifically about Hoover? You think? I. I really – I don't have an answer for that. It was just something that uh, – I remember when we won that game in 2012, 
everybody was really surprised that we won a game. <laughs> and it wasn't that we didn't want to win. I mean, we were always threatened every year. If we uh, don't play well, we're headed back, and we got two a day starting the next day. So it wasn't that we didn't want to win. We just – I don't know what it is about that place. That place is cursed. No wins for <laughs> South Carolina there. Yeah, like, like I said, even the best teams, the 20 – you know, while you were there 2012, but 2010, 2011, does not matter which South Carolina team. It's just – it's always a tough go there. But, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, an another very, very good year for South Carolina. Again, you guys uh, sweep through the regional. I mean, really take care of business and then go up to Chapel Hill for the Super Regional. Um, lose game one, six, five. Win game two, eight to nothing. Um, and then lose in a really, really close ball game, five, four in game three. You talked about, like you said, there were a couple balls that kind of dropped in, a couple errors. Just you know, talk about – I know definitely that series had to mean a little bit extra because it's sort of the border war, if you will, with South Carolina and North Carolina, the battle of the two Carolinas. But just talk about that series and I guess, you know, just kind of try to explain in words just how tough it was to, uh, like you mentioned, just fall a game short. Yeah, it was really tough. We came out and lost the first one. And then uh, Jordan Montgomery, I think he went a complete game shutout mm -hmm. the second game, if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, and then you, we, I remember there was, uh, I can't remember how many days, but we got rained out like two or three days in a row. And I don't know if it was just something that we just lost focus from being there for so long or what happened, but we didn't play our best game the last game. And, uh, it showed, I think if we play our best game, we're in another, uh, college world series that year. No doubt. So moving into 2014, Joey, you know, again, your junior season hit 303, five homers, 31 RBIs. Um, I'll ask this question simply, you know, going into the 2014 season, how much, if any, was the MLB draft on your mind? Because, you know, I know your junior season is really the year to go out there, ball out. You know, you have all, you have all the leverage, obviously, as a junior. You really if you can. You don't want to wait till a senior to sign with a pro team. How much, if any, was that on your mind at, when you went into your junior year? I mean, it, it's always in the back of your mind. I guess I guess it was every year, though, because um, that's always the dream. We all wanted to play in the big leagues. So, uh, I mean, it was there, but you just got to try not to let it affect the way you play and your attitude because you got to remember you're still there for your team. Um, team sport, you want to be a good team player and do everything you can to help the team win. So. Uh, but I'd be lying if you said none of us thought about it because everybody does because it is that dream that everybody wants. No doubt. So the 2014 season, again, it's funny. I think, again, people only focus on 2010, 2011, but they forget just really just how good every single team you were on as well, you know, after those national title years. I mean, again, 44 and 18, 18 and 12 in conference. Unfortunately, you guys ran into, you know, Florida had a really good year that year. They went 21 and nine. I guess before I get into the postseason, I'm curious to hear from you as well, Joey. You know, I feel like the battles between South Carolina and Florida and South Carolina and Vanderbilt, I mean, really just through all the SEC, I mean, those were some great baseball games. Just talk about playing in the SEC in those matchups because, I mean, again, you know better than anybody, Joey, every single – for example, Friday night, I mean, you're facing a guy that's, you know, going to the big leagues or going, getting drafted and has an opportunity, going to have a chance to be in the big leagues. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that you faced throughout your college career who are still pitching, making a living doing it. Just talk about what that grind is like of playing SEC baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I mean, going back to 2012, you get to see uh, – I'm trying to think of all the guys that really stood out. And, I mean – Two of them were at LSU, Kevin Gosman and Aaron Nola. I mean, those are two pretty good arms, and they're probably going to pitch for several more years. Uh, then you got Tyler Beattie at Vanderbilt and all those guys, man. They were – they had – there's some – there's tons of arms in the SEC, and uh, you got – it'll, it'll, it'll uh, make you grow up real quick because you're facing grown men at that point. They're all up there throwing 95, 96, and uh, – it's big transition to that. For sure. So, the 2014 season, I want to mention as well, you were named to the SEC All-Defensive Team, Joey. You were always a really, really good player in the field for South Carolina. You only made 10 errors in 2014. Talk about, 
I guess just because you talked about you're a hitter, you wanted to hit, but talk about your approach in the field. And I guess I, I feel like I don't imagine you're a guy that took a lot of pride in your defense as well. Well, that's what I had to work at the most. Um, I wasn't, I, I was more gifted hitting than I was fielding and it showed at times and I knew I had to put in the work and just go out there and play with more confidence and just let the results happen. For sure. So that 2014 season, again, you know, did not end the way that you guys wanted it to. Again, you lose two in Hoover and then lose out in the regionals, which is something that ha- which was something that hadn't happened in Columbia in a long time. You guys lose to Maryland there. Um, again, not, you know, not to, you know, obviously it's a sour note, but I mean, just talk about again, how to try to summarize how tough it is to the people listening. You know, you come to South Carolina of College World Series dreams, winning it, winning it all, and then to lose out to end your career at South Carolina. I mean, I'm sure that had to be a tough pill to swallow, even though you were following with the draft and had gotten drafted, stuff like that. I'm sure that was a tough pill to swallow for you emotionally. Yeah, I mean, that one hurt. That one hurt really bad, almost as bad as <laughs> getting so close to winning a national championship and losing. Uh, I mean, all losses hurt, and nobody likes to lose, but that that one was really up there. Um, I thought it was a regional that we probably could have won or should have won, and uh, we just fell a little bit short. We didn't play our best baseball, and we didn't get the timely hits that we'd been getting that whole year, and things didn't go our way. No doubt. So you were drafted again seventh round in the 2014 MLB draft by the Detroit Tigers. I mean, simply put, it's something you've worked for your entire life. You get the call, just kind of try to put into words what that day was like when you get the call and kind of what your emotions were. Yeah, I mean, I was I was sitting at home and uh, I got the call and I was I was really excited. I I could I couldn't wait to uh, to get on a plane. I mean, it was tough knowing that I wasn't going to be back playing at South Carolina the next year here in Columbia. I mean, as close as I had gotten with everybody here, but uh, I knew it was something that I wanted to do and that I wanted to get into right away. No doubt. So we talked about earlier, Joey, your transition from high school to college. Obviously, it's another huge jump to make from college to professional baseball, even when you're at low A, single A, high A, double A, any of the MLB, whatever. Talk about what the transition was like for you, because again, you're going from SEC baseball to pro baseball. You're going from playing every, you know, couple of days to every single day. I mean, just talk about what was that transition like for you? Yeah, that, that was the hardest part playing every single day. Um, being able to show up and get your body health and keep your body healthy to play every day. Um, from going from playing maybe five, maybe five games a week to, uh, every single day sometimes I think the longest stretch I had uh in my first season of pro ball I think we went like 28 days in a row with a game which is just absolutely it's thinking looking back at it now I don't know how my body stayed healthy at all but um it was it was fun it was fun I had a really good team uh, that I was a part of my first two seasons, and we had some really good, we had some really successful seasons those years. Yeah, no. So you were with a uh, Connecticut to start out with, and Lowe hit did well there. Hit two ninety two for those guys. Um, Twenty fifteen West Michigan a single A ball did really well again two sixty eight. Um, then went up to high with Lakeland for your last two seasons. When I mean, when you look back on your minor league career. Uh, just kind of summarize it for you. How, when you look back on it now, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on how your minor league career panned out? Um, I had, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of really good people. Um, I met, I learned a lot about baseball, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to share that with uh, some of the younger guys here in Columbia now. And now that I'm coaching a little bit and helping out some guys, um, but just learning a lot and getting that experience it was really great I got to see a lot of cool places as well and the the stories from the minor leagues as far as the bus rides and peanut butter and jellies just let everybody I know for a fact I know you can probably explain that that's definitely not something that is just uh kind of cliche talk about the minors that that is real life that was real life for you guys every single day pretty much I'd imagine oh 100 percent that's real life (laughs) it was uh 
It was every single day. I've never eaten more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my life. <laughs> For sure. I, I still I still think I'm like scared. I don't make them anymore. I've I made them every day for so long. I'm like, man, I got to take a couple of years off from this. <laughs> for sure. So again, you know, 2017 was your last year with Lakeland at high A. Um, you played in 77 games at 195 that year and decided to hang up the cleats after that season. Just, just talk about, I know you dealt with injuries and things of that nature, Joey, but talk about just how tough it was to make the decision, you know, pull the trigger and hang up the cleats. Um, well, I've, I played and I've had four seasons and had a lot of fun, but the injuries that I dealt with the last couple of years, that, uh, it, it definitely, that definitely made it a lot easier to not play anymore. Not being able to keep your body healthy for a full season, it's kind of terrible being on the DL for so long and just hanging out in rehab. For sure. So I know, Joey, you're still involved in the game of baseball. You talked about before your coaching. We talked off air, talked about your coaching uh, youth baseball. Just kind of let South Carolina fans, everybody know sort of what you've been up to and, uh, you know, where you're coaching at nowadays. Um, I help out over at Heathwood Hall here in Columbia. Um, I'm the head coach of the B team and then help out with the varsity team. Um, other than that, I do. We've been running some camps in the summer and uh, coaching a little bit of travel ball. I got 12 on the team this summer that I'm really excited to coach. We just had our first camp this past weekend. Nice, nice. What would you say as far as coaching? I mean, is that something that you uh... – you know, kind of want to stick in, find a career in, or just kind of have a career in, be a head coach somewhere someday, or? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it's going to take me, but uh, I do I do enjoy it. I love being able to help out the little guys and uh, teach them a little bit about baseball. No doubt. So, Joey, real quick before we let you go, your favorite memory, I know there's so many good memories, especially from that 2012 team in Omaha, but – if you had to pick one, your favorite memory as a Gamecock while you played for South Carolina? Oh, that's got, I mean, it's got to be the dog call after we beat Oklahoma to go to the World Series. That, that's got to be it. That was that was incredible. For sure. So, lastly, Joey, before I let you go, I, I can't let you go without asking, you know, obviously you played for Ray Tanner. We've heard some hilarious Ray Tanner stories. Do you have any – do you have any Ray Tanner stories that uh, you, you can tell on the air that he, he wouldn't mind uh, you sharing with us? <laughs> um, well, I remember one time he told me I was the worst freshman he's ever coached in his entire coaching career. Uh, and I and I still don't understand it to this day because he's the one that writes the line of how he put me in there so many times. that is awesome well joey really do appreciate you taking the time again man i know i can speak for all south carolina fans uh when i say it was a pleasure to watch you play short shortstop for carolina again a lot of good memories and uh again really appreciate the time good best of luck with heathwood hall and would love to have you back on my man all right thank you i appreciate it i enjoyed it